Welcome to the Socially Misguided Podcast. This is a show where we deconstruct and sometimes laugh about the struggles of living in a culture that is full of toxic beauty standards, patriarchy, and greed. I'm Sarah. I'm a fashion designer turned stay-at-home mom, and I'm constantly asking myself, is this real life? So if you've been wondering the same thing, then this is definitely the place for you. There's a lot to unpack, but don't worry, we're in this together. Hey, welcome back. How's your week been? Personally, I can't believe it's the third week of August. Um, You know, summer's coming to a close. My kids are starting school this week, which is exciting. Um, My son has a little bit of, you know, some nerves about going to the big school. This is going to be the first year that he's joining uh, my daughter at her school. So we've done meet the teacher night, trying to set up all their accounts with the online teacher communications and all that. And you know, make sure everyone has like their updated shot records and all that stuff. So you may be in the same boat if you're a parent. (laughs) So as we kind of get towards like, I guess the later, the later, I don't even want to say half the later part of the year, I always have all my doctor's appointments. And usually I kind of try to like cluster everything within one month, because honestly, I hate going to the doctor. I hate going to the doctor. I hate going to the dentist. Um, I just, I get really nervous and freaked out and like my blood pressure (laughs) skyrockets, which is then super fun because then as they're taking my readings, they're like, oh my gosh, do you have hypertension? I'm like, no, I just, I get really nervous. And funny story, about two years ago, my GP actually was like, can you just go buy a cuff and like a blood pressure cuff, like something that like elderly people use? (laughs) So yes, I have one of those now. I'm extremely cool. Um, and she was like, I'm pretty sure, you know, the readings we're getting in the office are not accurate in terms of like day to day, but just go get one and just track it in the peace and quiet of your own home so that we can make sure that, you know, that's under control. And fortunately it was, but, um, yeah, it's just, I think it's really funny that now I have one of those and I feel like, I feel like I'm like 80 years old, but I went recently to my annual physical, and I'm going to tell you the story because this ties into what we're talking about today, and I hadn't been in person in two years, so we had had some virtual visits, but of course, when that happens, they they don't take your, um, your vitals, right? So I go in, you know, they do blood pressure and height and weight and everything, and she takes my weight. She didn't say anything. I didn't see the number. And we don't, we did not have a scale in our house until my husband bought one like a couple weeks ago. Like it's just never really been a thing for me to weigh myself. And so we go through the appointment. Um, everything looks good. Everything's, you know, coming back normal, no complaints, whatever. And Then my doctor says something that she's never said before, (laughs) and she said something to the effect of, yeah, and so uh, do we feel good about where our weight goals are at? 
at the moment. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? <laughs> and I actually opened my mouth because I was going to make a sarcastic comment, but I decided not to. And I just smiled and I said, yep, because I know that that was code for you've gained a little weight. And why that struck me was because she had never asked me that before, or she had never, she didn't ask me, but she had never said that before. And I've been one of those people that, with the exception of pregnancy, my weight doesn't really, hasn't really fluctuated. I know I did put on a little bit of weight during the stress of like COVID, like that for me brought out all kinds of anxiety that I think things that I hadn't really dealt with and that was not a good time. And I think I felt for about a solid year, I just didn't feel like myself. I just didn't feel very well physically. And I think it was like the stress man, uh, manifesting in all these different symptoms. But the reason I'm telling you this, and again, this is exactly what today's conversation about, and that is body size and perception of health based on the way someone looks. And I just thought it was so interesting that she had asked that. Because if all of my vitals and my blood work and all of the other indicators of my health are coming back good, why are we even addressing weight in the first place, right? And on top of that, just to give you a little bit of context, I'm 5'2", in a straight-sized body, and a smaller one at that, and I literally went up one size, And I'm saying that because, of course, yes, if I had gained um, a lot of weight very, very quickly, that is important to address, right? That definitely could have been indicative of something more serious going on, um, which we would need to talk about. But it wasn't. I really felt like she was just asking that in terms of like a vanity aesthetic point of view, rather than it being something that I needed to be concerned about or address in terms of health. And we're living in a culture where where people make a lot of assumptions about you based on the way you look, and more specifically, based on your body size, right? And so again, that's what I wanted to talk about today, because body size doesn't necessarily have anything to do with health, and I think we're living in a world where we put way too much emphasis on that, right? We've got this really messed up idea that if you're thin, you're healthy, and if you're big, you're not. And that's not the case. And I think we need to kind of unlearn a lot of things that we've learned about size. So before we dive into today's episode, I just want to acknowledge two things really quickly. One, I just want to acknowledge that I have a lot of privilege. I can go to doctor's appointments if I need to. I'm white, I'm thin. So I am talking about this because I think this is something that's negatively impacting a lot of people and that needs to change. At the same time, I understand how maybe this could be frustrating for me to be able to have this conversation without any backlash for me personally because I do live in a thin body versus activists getting pushed back solely because they exist in a larger body and they are talking about the same message. And that's not right. That's not fair. But hopefully I can use the small platform that I have to, you know, help combat that. 
The second thing I wanted to address is that I'm going to use the term fat in today's episode, and I only mean that as a neutral description of a body size, not a derogative term. There's been a lot more progress on that front, right, about the community taking back the word fat um, and redefining it as what it was meant to be, right? Just a, a, a term used as a description of a body type. But I also realized that it still uses a derogative term. It still has a lot of stigma attached to it. And so again, I'm using it as a description and hopefully that's helping to support reclaiming that word in a more neutral and positive light. So let's talk about kind of our history with anti-fatness, right? Because that is definitely an issue we in the U.S. have. A lot of what we do revolves around this internalized anti-fatness. And honestly, how could it not? I don't know if you know this, but this idea is really baked into our society, and it started way back when. So I wanted to go back to the origins of this, because obviously it's important to understand where this came from and why it came about. So we started vilifying larger bodies around the 18th century when Europeans were looking for a way to distinguish white people from black people. So, of course, this was around the time of the transatlantic slave trade. And Europeans were basically trying to come up with, you know, quote unquote, justifications for why they could and should dehumanize black people. Right. And one of the many ways that they attempted to do this was by making it seem as if black people were out of control and they were greedy and basically that they were subhuman, right? That they lacked some kind of human element of like control and restraint, which of course, obviously we know is not true, but unfortunately that's what was going on during this time. And so at the same time, not surprisingly, body size also became this like religious statement because it became synonymous with virtue and morality and control. So all this to say, this shouldn't be a surprise that we have this internalized anti-fatness attitude because it's been around for centuries. At the same time, that doesn't excuse us from addressing it today, right? And trying to go forward doing better. So jumping back into today, there's a lot of pervasive messaging around anti-fatness. And I started thinking about what I saw as a kid that kind of backed up this idea. So I went down this whole like nostalgic rabbit hole. And do you remember Snackwell's fat-free snacks? I want to say they're in like a green box. Do you remember that? Or what else comes to mind for you? For me, I'm thinking like Slim Fast commercials, Jenny Craig. So if you grew up around the same time I did, messaging around size was everywhere. And everything from snacks to weight loss commercials to weight loss programs. And then, of course, you know, that's always reflected in media too, right? So think of friends and think of Monica's younger version of herself and the nutty professor or, oh my gosh, do you remember the movie Heavyweights? And that was a kid's movie. And I know 90s movies are definitely different than they are now. I mean, there are some, there have been some cultural shifts for the better. At the same time, it's 2020 and we still have an anti-fatness issue, right? So whether we're talking about older movies or shows and movies today, think about how many women in movies talk about gaining weight and it's 
always a negative thing, right? You know, and look at our society's continuous idolization of thin bodies. And then, of course, when we idolize thin bodies, that makes us feel a very certain way about bodies that are the opposite of thin bodies. I mean, we have an obsession with size, and the messaging is very clear. Not only are larger bodies deemed less attractive, but they're also stigmatized, right? We kind of talked about this when I talked about using the descriptor fat. And when you think of that word, instead of it just being a description of someone's body size, it's really become something that's used as a statement about them as a human being, right? I mean, how often do we see this trope play out on TV of a larger person who's cast as someone that we laugh at? Someone who can't control their eating, someone who is lazy and messy and kind of a slob, someone who's maybe not the sharpest in the group, right? They're kind of there, as I said, for maybe comedic relief, and certainly not someone who's a serious romantic prospect. So this just perpetuates this stereotype And the more that's perpetuated, the more that people, I think, accept this idea as reality. And we see this message of anti-fatness showing up in other ways. If you listened to last week's episode, my guest um, Felicia was talking about how, because of her illness, she had gained weight. And she was addressed about her size by a complete stranger in an elevator one day. I think someone had maybe made the comment that she should, you know, take the stairs instead of the elevator. I mean, like, this has gotten so out of line to where now it's almost become socially acceptable for people to say verbally abusive things to the fat community. And I'm sure most of us have seen examples of this play out in our own lives. Or you might even be the person that these comments are aimed at. And now that everyone's online, these comments are just carried over into the virtual realm too, right? I don't know about you, but I love following body neutral accounts and a lot of these people's stories about how they're treated just based on their size are horrifyingly similar. Have you noticed that? If not, just go look at the comments section. A lot of these people will be torn apart just for posting pictures of themselves. People will comment putting puking emojis or saying to women especially that, you know, they've got a pretty face, but they'd be prettier if they lost weight. And again, I'm privileged to not be the victim of those kind of comments, but I will say the more time I spend online, it is very clear that the trash of humanity are the ones that are on there in the comments section with the most to say and who are saying it the loudest. And sadly, it can be a really vicious, toxic place to be. And we see that messaging show up not only in direct messages that people receive from either either encountering other people in person or in the comments section online, but the way that we promote and idolize thin models and models that are already thin, and then we Photoshop them to make them even thinner, right? And all of, you know, I mean, don't even get me started. You know how I feel about this. But then, of course, all of the photo editing apps that can, you know, shrink your thighs and nip your waist and things like that. But think about things that maybe you've even experienced in your own life, right? I mean, have you ever been scared or worried about gaining weight? Absolutely no judgment if you have. I've totally been there. I was a little bit 
nervous, you know, after having my kids thinking, okay, am I, I've always been a really small person. Am I going to sort of get back to that size? Not because I think that that size is better or more beautiful. To be honest, I was a little bit worried about the backlash I might get from certain family members. And maybe you felt that too. I mean, we've talked about this before, but again, the idea of expecting moms to quote unquote bounce back after having a baby or treating eating a piece of cake or having an ice cream like we're breaking the law, right? When we use the language that, oh, we were so bad if we've had a piece of cake, like really? And so that's so sad. And at the same time, I completely get it. You do get a lot of backlash in this world if you gain weight. And I hope that that's something that we can change. So we talked about the very superficial aspect of this, right? The way we look, does it align with today's beauty standards? And as we all know, thinness is part of today's beauty standards, right? And then there's this other side to this conversation. And that's this completely ridiculous idea that we can look at someone and know their level of health just by their body size. And then the other part of the conversation that gets really interesting to me is that we, of course, know that fast food isn't as good for you as other options. But what's interesting is I have never seen a skinny person get shamed for eating a burger or fast food or a lot of food or anything like that. But we all know that if you exist in a larger body and you go for fast food, you're more at risk of someone coming up and saying, hey, maybe you should have a salad or hey, maybe you shouldn't eat that. And that is ridiculous. Again, it goes back to the idea of you don't know someone's health based on their body size. And just because you're skinny doesn't mean that you're eating well, doesn't mean that you're healthy. I've seen people in my life get really skinny and it wasn't a healthy thing. They were grieving or they were dealing with disordered eating Or they were sick, you know? The assumption that we know someone's health based on the way they look is really hypocritical. And because people in larger bodies get so much more backlash for what they're eating or what they're doing, it becomes very clear that that idea is also rooted in anti-fatness. So last thing I want to talk about is BMI, because I think this is something that most of us probably grew up hearing a whole lot about, right? And this measurement is still used today. So BMI, aka body mass index, is supposed to be a way to measure body fat based on someone's height and weight, which already, does that check out with you? I mean, I think I had this measured... I want to say in college where I joined a gym and you know how you usually get like one free personal trainer session or whatever because they want you to sign up for more. (laughs) I was like, well, I'm a broke college student, so I'll do the one free one, but I'm definitely not signing up for anything else. But I always remember my BMI coming back higher than I expected, which to me was kind of a red flag because just to give you context... And part of me is even like hesitant if I should even like say this, but I think it proves the point that I'm making. In high school and college, I weighed less than 90 pounds. So for my BMI to come back at what it was, 
it was completely inaccurate. And again, I already said this earlier, but I'm also extremely petite. So like my, my bones are not big. My body is not big. Like, so I just remember thinking that that, that was really inaccurate, you know? So it turns out BMI was created by a mathematician named Adolf Quetelet in the 19th century. And he created a mathematical formula to measure quote unquote obesity in a population. Another interesting fact about Quetelet's work was that it was centered around trying to figure out the characteristics of what they called the average man. But he was also picking certain men that he felt like had the best chest and who had the best this feature and that feature. So he was really trying to compile the characteristics around like the ideal man. So already we have something that isn't scientific created by a non-scientist. And then it turns out that the default subjects were French and Scottish men. And on top of that, the 19th century was a really scary time in science. And I honestly should say pseudoscience because a lot of what was considered scientific at the time has since been debunked, right? And it was also a time when racial scientific studies were being invented to, again, justify the inhumane treatment of people of color. So not only is this old and antiquated and based only off of, you know, the stats of, like, a few men, this was not exactly, like, a shining moment in scientific history, right? A lot of bad things were going on. A lot of bad things were being justified. And so... The fact that we are using this today for individuals, including women, including people of color, including kids, like something is not adding up. Why are we still using this antiquated formula? And there actually are more accurate ways of determining body fat, but of course they're expensive and time consuming. So what do we do? Well, we'll just go the convenient route, regardless of how reliable it is, right? And BMI doesn't account for muscle mass, bone density, body composition. So I don't understand why we're relying so heavily on that as an indicator for obesity. And of course, obviously, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not saying that this cannot be a helpful tool. I think there's been way too much emphasis put in this formula that doesn't seem to be that accurate. And then when you use that as leverage in a society that is already suffering from anti-fatness, to me, all of this just seems like a recipe for disaster. So all in all, anti-fatness is still a huge issue that we need to deal with in the U.S. And hopefully through education and unlearning some of the things that we've been taught and destigmatizing even the word fat and our treatment of people that do exist in a larger body, I hope we can move forward in a much better way. And I have a feeling you do too. So if you have your own experience with this or you want to talk about today's episode, feel free to DM me. I will personally write you back. I always love hearing your input and your own stories. I hope you have a great week and I'll see you next time. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. If you loved this episode, please do me a favor and share with a friend. 
It helps us get the name out there so other people can find the show and join our community. For more information or to connect, find us on social at Socially Misguided Podcast. And remember to follow the show so you don't miss an episode. I'm thankful to be on this journey together, and I'll see you next week.